Well, 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 well. It appears that YouTube still does not want us to broadcast live. I'm going to have to send a sternly worded letter. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here, the editor-in-chief at Sci-Fi For Me. Sci-Fi For Me.com, where I have just posted a review of the movie Final Frequency, starring Charles Shaughnessy. You go check that out. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. We're glad you're with us. We are broadcasting live, except... Not on YouTube, so we're broadcasting live to Odyssey, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and it appears that it's all working, maybe, possibly. Uh, I do still have the live up on YouTube so I can see chat in case anybody's going to chat over there. But this is the second day in a row now that we do not have... A go live button over on YouTube so I don't know if maybe somehow for some reason we're not allowed to now <sighs> those of you who are listening to this show on a podcast platform we're glad you're here I see new listeners we're picking up in Austria or as they say in Germany Österreich we do have listeners in Germany, Denmark, Russia, New Zealand. Glad to have all of you with us. And uh, the chat over on Odyssey, we did figure this out yesterday just to double check. Over on Odyssey, the chat, if you want to leave comments there, you have to have an account on Odyssey. So just an FYI. Otherwise, if you want to wait till the thing is done, you can leave comments wherever on uh, on any of those. We will upload this to YouTube afterwards, just like we did yesterday. And I will uh, I will have to send a note to our Google overlords and masters. A little lighter fare today, if you will. It is Star Trek Day. September 8th, 1966 is when Star Trek officially debuted on the NBC television network. And um, it wasn't the beginning of Star Trek. Star Trek, of course, they had a first pilot in 1964 that never made it to air until uh, it was part of the Menagerie two-part episode. But uh, Star Trek's been around since 1966, and it is Star Trek Day because September 8th. <coughs> and I have to... I have to uh, make an observation here because the the promo that they've put out for Star Trek Day uh, has some interesting things about it and one of them is the fact that classic Star Trek is hardly in it. Now I get it. 
you've got the new shows that you want to pro, uh, premiere and preview and, and promote and whatnot. But it, I don't know. I just this show right here, this this little preview right here. Of course, we have to linger on all of the kissing. Um, but it mentions all of the legends that uh, that are part of Star Trek. And then it goes into a montage of everybody that's in the new shows. Not the classic shows. And I would submit that the legends of Star Trek are William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, the original cast, as well as possibly... Some of the cast from Next Generation, from DS9. I mean, the, without those shows, you don't have the new shows. And I, I, I get it. I, I do. The, the big marketing push is for everything to be about what they're making now. And, and I, I understand that. But there seems to be an increasing amount of effort to diminish that which came before 2009. And, and really, the J.J. Track Kelvinverse stuff is not really highlighted as much as you would expect, given that Kurtzman was involved in all of that. But right now, the emphasis is on Kurtzman Trek. Which I think is probably not the best idea in terms of marketing to a broad audience. Because if you're just going to concentrate on the Tumblr crowd that's watching your shows now and ignore 50 years worth of fandom, you do that at your own peril. And... I say that it's a it's it's a it's a guess on my part. It's not uh, you know I'll qualify this by saying that you know I know that there are people who are lifelong Star Trek fans who love what's being put out now. Okay, fine. But you look at this fifty-five year celebration that they've got going for Star Trek Day, and it kicks off tonight. At 5.30 p.m. Pacific, which is 7.30 our time, 8.30 on the, on the East Coast, Jeff Russo and the Star Trek Day Orchestra will kick things off in a, in a musical celebration. The Star Trek Universe Overture. I wonder what that's going to be. Probably some kind of a montage of all the themes, but it will heavily lean toward the current stuff, I'm sure. Which... The themes of the current shows are not that memorable. Now, say what you will about the theme to Enterprise, but everybody still knows the theme to Enterprise. I don't know that you're going to be humming the theme to Discovery five years from now. Or Picard. Picard really doesn't have much of a theme. Uh, does it? 
And then we have our welcoming remarks from Will Wheaton and Micah Burton. Will Wheaton, by the way, I think is now the same age Patrick Stewart was when he started on Star Trek The Next Generation. <sighs> yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it. How does that make you feel? Then we have a panel on Star Trek Prodigy, which I'm kind of looking forward to the information that comes out of here because there hasn't really been a whole lot of information about Prodigy yet. And what I've seen so far, okay, it's, it's interesting enough that I'm, I'm at least peripherally looking, looking at it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, immediately like right now I must have more type of thing. Uh, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious about this one because it's such a unique offering in terms of how it's been described. Um, Sci-Fi Snipes in the chat. Uh, what are they making? What they're making now is crap. Um, are there name one? I'm not sure what that question is is connected to. I missed I missed a point. You're asking a question about a point I made, and I'm not sure what point I made. That happens. That happens. That happens. All right. So I'm I'm going around here on on different on different screens. I really would like to have my fourth screen back. Okay. I'm I'm working on that. By the way, it's it's coming. Hopefully. All right, next panel, Sirach Lofton, talking about the impact of Deep Space Nine. You have the Star Trek Discovery panel. Then you have Anthony Montgomery talking about the impact of Star Trek Enterprise. These are what they call legacy moments. But if you look, this one's at 6 o'clock, 6.03 p.m., and then right after 6.08. So the old shows are getting five minutes each. Star Trek Discovery Panel at 6.08. The Enterprise Moment from Anthony Montgomery at 6.25. So the panels are not even that long. 15 or so minutes. That's not a long time. Why not? Why are we, why are we only getting a 15-minute panel? 6.25 for the Enterprise Moment, 6.30 for the Strange New Worlds panel. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Because this is the one I'm genuinely curious about in the context of all of the other new Kurtzman Trek stuff. And the only reason for that is because we've heard so much positive about Anson Mount as Christopher Pike and the look of the show and the things that Akiva Goldsman has been saying about the show. This one I want to know more about. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob says, you said there were old fans who like New Trek. He says, are there name one? I, It's... Well, Tim, Tim's okay with it. I've seen people... Uh, I know... I know the internet is the internet and not everything on the internet is true. 
Uh, but there are people who have made the claim, at least. Lifelong Trek fan here. I love the new show. Okay, well, I, I'm not going to sit there and call you a liar, but I don't believe you. But there are people who say that they like the new stuff, and that's fine. And, and it's clear from what we've seen so far that the new shows... Discovery especially, but but Picard, I think, as well, and and Lower Decks, most. They're made for the Tumblr crowd. They're made for the shippers. They're made for the people who love fan fiction. And that's fine, if that's, if that's your thing. More power to you. Go do your thing. But go do your thing somewhere else. And don't force me to like or accept your thing. See, this is this is the this is a question, and I think this is something that we probably can explore in in greater detail at some point. The question of when it's okay to abandon something of which you've been a fan for a very long time. When is it okay to not be a fan anymore? And I guess that question is twofold, because not being a fan anymore, does that abrogate your interest in what came before as opposed to what's out there now. So if you go out and you look at Star Trek, and you look at the things that Kurtzman is making, you look at Discovery, you look at new uh, lower decks, you look at new Picard, and you sit there and go, this is not my Star Trek. I'm not interested in this. I'm not a fan of this. And through the experiences of how those people have been treated by the people who are making the shows, and how... We've been derided and ridiculed, and this is across the board, various different franchises. When you sit there and say, okay, I'm done, how much of that attitude spills over into the things you did enjoy? The original series, Next Generation, DS9. Are you still able to enjoy those for what they are as a fan, or... Does the sour taste that the new stuff has left in your mouth, does that spill over and carry over and affect your ability to enjoy the stuff that you used to enjoy? I don't know. For me, it's been a, it's been a mixed bag. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Mindy through a Voyager right now. Uh, I think this it, is your first time watching Voyager. She's seen the first season before. So we're we're going through, we're going to, what? DS9. DS9 is new. So we're watching DS9, we're watching Voyager. And I'm watching this stuff, and I'm thinking, this is, this is so much better in terms of the writing and the craft and everything else. This is so much better than what we've got now. And I, I do a little self-reflection, I do a little examination. I was like, does my frustration with new Trek affect my ability to appreciate DS9, for example. And it, on the whole, it doesn't. 
But there's also that little niggling reminder when you're watching Deep Space Nine, you're watching Enterprise, you're watching Voyager, you're watching the original series, you're watching Next Generation. There's that little voice in this in in the back of your head saying, "We're not going to ever get this again." Not as long as Alex Kurtzman is in charge. Sci-Fi Snob says, My kid likes Lower Decks. I have to explain all the self-referential jokes because she never liked Star Trek. Lower Decks is the only new Trek show that has any worth, but it's not Star Trek. It makes fun of Star Trek, and I would agree with that. Lower Decks is a very effective... It's not good, but it's an effective Star Trek parody. It's it's not a Star Trek comedy. It's a comedy about Star Trek. It's a, it's a comedy poking at Star Trek. I think kind of... I haven't watched Rick and Morty, but just based on impressions, I would say that Rick and Morty is a parody poking at Back to the Future, for example. I think Lower Decks does the exact same thing with Star Trek. But, but Strange New Worlds could possibly I'm going to allow for the possibility I'm going to be cautiously very cautiously optimistic and I'm going to give it a try because Kurtzman's not the showrunner Akiva Goldsman's the one who's front and center in charge of this one that might not be much better I don't know but that's what we're looking at alright so the panel for, for Strange New Worlds at 6.30 Pacific and then we have Garrett Wong doing his five minutes on Voyager, on, on the impact of Voyager. And I imagine that he will have something to say about Harry Kim never getting a promotion. Then we have the panel for Lower Decks, which I have no interest in. But that's going to be 6.55 to 7.25. So there's 30-minute panel on Lower Decks. And then George Takei at 7.25 for his legacy moment about the original series. And then we've got a panel on the Gene on Gene Roddenberry's 100th birthday. It's a celebration of the legacy of of Roddenberry. LeVar Burton with a next generation moment and then the panel for Picard. And that's it. Now then you've got this artwork here for the Star Trek United Gives. This is their fundraiser that they do every year. Um, it doesn't say who's going to be getting the money this year, but it says uh, Paramount Plus and the Roddenberry Foundation will be dividing the money equally to organizations who do the real-world work of championing equality, social justice, the arts, and innovation. So figure some, some STEM programs maybe, uh, some theaters and some different uh, uh, performance type of groups, maybe some education, some schools and that kind of thing. Uh, but a lot of it is going to go to political, uh, political stuff. But I'm struck with an observation here about all of these panels and moments and such. Because... And in this day and age, as much emphasis as there's been made of it on media, you cannot help but see anymore 
through the filters that people have basically been. And some of this is out of self-defense. You start to learn to look at things planning for it to be a problem. But I'm looking at these legacy moments. And I'm looking at the people who are going to be on the panels. And we all know that Will Wheaton is bending to the left a lot and has been very vocal about it. And, okay, that's fine. If you want to do that, okay. No problem. Whatever. Uh, The Star Trek Prodigy panel has got members of the cast as well as the creators. Uh, Mika Burton is going to be hosting that panel, not Will Wheaton. The the Deep Space Nine legacy moment from Chirac Lofton, who arguably is the least important character out of the main cast of the show. But he's got a podcast now about this, about the show, so I imagine maybe this is an opportunity to connect in and tie in with his podcast that he's been doing that looks back on the legacy of Deep Space Nine. But why why Ciroc Lofton? Why not Nana Visitor or Alexander Siddick or Avery Brooks? I have a comment on Facebook. Let's see. Let's poke over here to comment on Facebook. Uh... Thomas says, do you remember the 40th anniversary special with a stupid Fraser skit and a Star Trek montage that focused a lot on Kenny G and not the montage? I do remember the skit. I think that was at the Emmys, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, because it was, it was, it was Fraser. I th- wasn't, wasn't Kate Mulgrew part of that? So she was doing Janeway and everybody else was in character. Um, Roz was there, uh, some of the others. I remember that skit. I, I don't even know if it's... It's probably out on YouTube somewhere. Uh, Thomas says, They should stop trying to deify Gene Roddenberry. He wasn't all that great when you get past the surface. I Yeah, I, I, would, I would say you could make that argument. Uh, there are... There are three books I would go back and I would recommend, and I've done I've done a review of this. Uh, Mrs. Boss, do you have time to find the link to my review of These Are the Voyages? And we can post that somewhere. Um, we'll see if we can we'll see if we can get it. I'll I'll try to post that over on uh, on odyssey after we get done here but uh sci-fi snob says the orville is better trek than lower decks i agree (laughs) oh and then we've got this okay but you look at the participants of the discovery panel wilson cruz blue de barrio ian alexander where are the where are the main cast members where are the leads Where's Sonequa Martin-Green? Where's Michelle Yeoh? Where's... Does it, does it look like maybe we're following a theme here? We've got Anthony Montgomery doing the Enterprise moment. Where's Scott Bakula? Where's Jolene Blaylock? Strange New Worlds, we're going to have Anson Mountain, Rebecca Romaine, and Ethan Peck. That's the, that's the lead cast. That's the show that I want. That's the, that's the panel that I want to see. 
because those are the people who are going to be here. I don't know who Henry Alonzo Myers is. I think he's a I think he's a producer on the show. But this is this is what you would normally expect if you're going to do a, a, a panel about a TV series. You'd have the stars of the of the TV series, right? How are we defining stars? Garrett Wong doing Voyager. Was Kate Mulgrew not available? Jerry Ryan? I mean, I imagine Jerry Ryan's going to be on the Picard panel, probably. Robert Beltran? Robert Picardo? Why Garrett Wong? The Lower Decks, you're going to have, uh, looks like, looks like writers. Mike McMahon, the showrunner, and, and a couple of writers, possibly. No cast members that I can see. George Takei, of course, doing the original series. Where's William Shatner? Did they even ask William Shatner? Did they ask Scott Bakula? The Roddenberry Legacy, you've got George Takei, LeVar Burton, Gates McFadden, Rod Roddenberry, okay, Rod Roddenberry, the son, I would imagine, I fully expect him to be there. Next Generation, LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton, of course, been in the media uh, spotlight here recently because everybody wants him to be the next host of Jeopardy. But we all know that he can't be in that role because Captain Picard does not put his crew in Jeopardy. Right? Star Trek Picard, here we go. We've got Patrick Stewart, Jerry Ryan, Issa Briones, Akiva Goldsman. I'm not looking forward to the second season of Picard. I think they're doing a... It feels like they're doing a greatest hits. Picard is doing a greatest hits of Star Trek. And not in the best way. I would take a clip show over Picard. Hey, you remember when we visited that planet that was all that was run by women? Flashback. Do you remember that time when Data built a daughter? Flashback. Do you remember that time when fill in the blank? I would take a clip show over we've, what we've been getting in, Star, in in Picard. Any day of the week and twice on Sunday. But it strikes me that all of this, all of the participants in all of these panels, most of the participants in these panels, are of a type. And it leans very heavily into that political Tumblr intersection crowd rather than consider who might be the best performer to represent those particular shows. Now, it could very well be that they reached out to some people and they don't want to do it. Sci-Fi Sound makes a point. The old leads know Star Trek is dead and don't want anything to do with it. That could very well be possible. But you mentioned politics and everybody says, well, Star Trek has always been political. No. 
Star Trek has been relevant to the culture of the time and has made comment on the social aspects of the culture of the time, but has done it in a way that's organic to the story. And yes, in the original series, you had a couple of episodes that were very much on-the-nose metaphors for Vietnam. And it was done in a way that tells the story without getting in your face saying, hey, this is about Vietnam, pay attention. Whereas you have the refugee issue with the Romulans as part of the first season of Picard, and it's right there, front and center, that this is all about a particular president and that didn't really go over very well with everybody. Thomas makes point it was probably who was available for a dollar. I, I, I would imagine that's probably some of it too. Because these people are are going to be, I would imagine they'd be compensated in some way for participating in this thing. Uh, the current cast members and producers, I would expect that this would be part of their contract for per, for promoting the show. But the, the legacy cast and crew, yeah, I would say that they'd probably have to get some kind of compensation for it. So that would that would be a that would be another consideration, I'm sure. I don't see. LinkedIn says we're still live, but the video's not playing, so it could very well just be me. I'm not going to touch it because I don't want to break it. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's leave a couple of other announcements here that have been rolling out because it's Star Trek Day. We've got some new material from Eagle Moss, Hero Collector. They are adding to their ship collection the USS Cerritos from Lower Decks. Now these are going to be these are what the diecast metal models. The Cerritos will be part of the XL Starships lineup. Nine and three quarters inch long replica of the vessel. I uh, hits uh, January twenty second, and then right after that, we're going to get the Eagle Moss model of the USS Titan. From the animated show, I don't know how much of a difference that is from any other version of the Titan that we've seen. Uh, but here, uh, those of you who are able to see the video, here is the image of uh, the... Uh, this is a 3D renderer of the Cerritos model. So, it actually... It actually doesn't look half bad as an actual model. I think... I think animation animation loses some of it, possibly, but it still doesn't make any sense the way it's designed. It it just it just doesn't make any sense to have the deflector shield that that array right there attached in between the two nacelles just makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Uh, 
Sci-Fi Snob says, I never thought anything could be worse than Discovery, but Picard broke that bar. <laughs> Didn't lower the bar, broke it, huh? All right. Uh, Thomas loves the ship. Which ship, Thomas, do you love? The the Cerritos or the Titan? I think the Titan's pretty pretty kind of pretty cool design. That's a fan design, actually, if I remember right. I think there was a contest when they started to publish USS Titan stories. I believe there was a contest, and that was a, that was the winning design. Then we've got a new book coming out from Nana Visitor. I mentioned her before. This is a, a book called A Woman's Trek. From Uhura to Burnham, Star Trek's female stars on six decades of change and empowerment. Interviews conducted by Visitor herself, allowing readers to hear from Star Trek actors and writers from throughout the franchise history, along with other authors, NASA scientists, and more. It should be interesting. Uh, that kind of a perspective, because there's been, uh, we've got the the um, the documentary about Nichelle Nichols and her involvement with NASA and the and the recruiting program over there. We've also got this book from Eagle Moss, Star Trek: The Original Series: A, Ce- a Celebration by Ben Robinson and In Spelling. In In sent me an email about this. Uh, to uh, to let us know what was coming. Uh, this is available September 21st, so it's just around the corner. It's hardcover from Hero Collector. It's the story of the Enterprise, and it's, uh, it's available through Penguin Random House. The Ultimate Guide to the Making of the Star Trek that Started It All, written by Ben Robinson in Spelling. Uh, 256 pages filled with brand new and archival conversations and 200 plus photos and sketches, many rarely seen on never or never before seen, that shine a fresh light on the action writers, uh, the actors, writers, directors, production and costume designers, composers, prop builders, visual effects, makeup artists, and more, who brought Star Trek to life. Also pays tribute to the fans who campaigned to save the show, looks back at the earliest Trek conventions, and breaks down 12 key episodes. So that should be pretty interesting to see uh, what that is. I'm, I might have to add that to the, uh, to the Christmas list. I have put in a request for, for a review copy, so we'll see if we'll get one. Um, then we've got the new... 4K ultra high def collection of the of the first four films, Star Trek the Motion Picture, Star Trek 2, 3 and 4. And uh, Trek Core has been posting over on Twitter a series of uh, comparisons between the the new release, the 4K release that's coming out and the color corrections that have been done in previous releases, so the DVD, the TV show, uh, the the TV network and cable broadcast and stuff. And I'm struck by how much color correction has been done over the years. The 4K restores most of the original theatrical color. So these versions, this this collection, is going to look quite different from everything that you've seen over the last 
25, 30 years as, as things have gone through home video and streaming and DVDs and VHS and all of that. The, the, the 4K uh, looks to restore most of the original theatrical color correction. So it's going to be interesting to see how different it is. I don't know. The box art still looks dumb. It it just it just does. I mean, you look at you look at this, and here's the crew and Khan and Krug, and everybody's every it it. There's no consistency at all with this. But the thing that bothers me the most about this cover art is the the fact that Kirk and Spock are in their uniforms from Star Trek The Motion Picture and McCoy is in his uniform from Star Trek II. Who, what art director looked at this and said, yeah, that looks fine. I can get, you know, I understand everybody down in the, the, the lower part of this picture, you know, you've got everybody else in various different uniforms. I mean, Sulu's not even in a uniform. But to have the main three characters in your cast and to have McCoy in a different uniform from Kirk and Spock, this just looks like a mistake. I... And the Enterprise looks kind of weird. There, you got that lens flare flash thing at, right there at at the deflector dish. What is that? What's this? What's this sparkly thing at the deflector dish? I don't know. It just it just looks weird. And there's and as I understand it, there's not going to be any new features or anything like that on here. It's just going to be stuff that's been pulled from DVDs and the commentary tracks and all of that. So it's, there's no, I don't know that there's original brand new material on this or not. So if you get it, you get it for the 4k restoration of the original theatrical coloring. So that's, uh, that would be it. Might've been for contrast time. Maybe it just, I mean, just, just from a standpoint of artistic composition, it looks weird. Because the, ne the, the, the motion picture uniforms, or the pajamas, are fairly bland, but they're also blue. Kind of a blue-gray in the movie, but blue on this artwork. And then you have McCoy in the maroon jacket, the wine-colored jacket from Star Trek II. That, Maybe it's for contrast, but if you're going to do contrast, let's contrast the three with everybody else. I could see doing that, but from an artistic composition, I look at this, and as a graphic designer, as a, as a photographer, as a filmmaker, I'm looking at this and think, that just looks odd. I don't know why they would do that. I don't know. And Chekhov's face looks puffy. Walter Koenig doesn't have chipmunk cheeks. What's that about? What is that? I'm just now noticing this. Do you see this? You see this here? Let's see. If I got my, can I can I zoom in on that? 
I, this is the more I look at this, the more it bothers me. This artwork. Maybe I should stop looking at it. Because I don't know. I mm, 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 mm. some of this looks weird. And the more I'm looking at it, the more weird it looks. All right, I'm going to stop looking at it. Because it doesn't, it, uh, it's okay. Well, I, you, you look at it. You're a, you're a painter. You're an artist. You, you look, you tell me if I'm, if I'm seeing things. It's the box art's over on Amazon, but I don't know. Looks weird. Looks weird. Uh, the Star Trek, what's it called? Star Trek, the original four movie collection. The box art just looks weird. All right. Sci-Fi Snob, I didn't know there was so much to do with art direction. I will stop making fun of those guys. It is, it is a, I was about to say, there is an art to it. Um, but <laughs> that would have been, that would have been too much of a ha-ha that I didn't intend. Um, yeah, I mean, art direction, there's... There's the usual composition things. Does it make sense for everything to be where it is? And then you also have uh, perspective in terms of the size of everybody that's in there, all of the different elements, color scheme, visual weight, white space, all, all of these different things, negative space. Uh, you know, if you don't have white space, you have negative space where there's not something in the art. Um, and... Faces, for some artists, faces are not easy. For me, growing up, whenever I was doing sketches, I always had an easier time drawing objects than I have people. And that's still the case. I could... What? The foot problem? Drawing feet, I, I don't, no, you're talking, oh, you're thinking about Michael Bancroft with his hands. Oh, okay, Michael Bancroft uh, down in Australia, he has a problem drawing hands. Uh, by the way, they just closed the Lucent over on Indiegogo, so if you didn't get it, you probably missed out. But yeah, artists, and, and art direction, art direction also involves, you know, the use of photography, logos, graphics, any of that stuff. And it's one of those things that's just kind of a continuous thing. I mean, I, I even look at the graphics that we use here, and I look at graphics that we that other shows do, that other channels do, and other things, and I'm I'm sitting here and I'm constantly questioning what we've what kind of designs that I've got over here. Because right now, since I don't have this fourth monitor over here on my right, which is where I usually have the source material that shows up on these screens, now I'm having to look over to my left, which now puts my eye line in, in all of these graphics, it puts my eye line away from the graphics, away from the monitor displays that I'm putting up here. So those of you who are, who are listening to this, visually on the screen... I am on screen right, what we call screen right. So if you're looking at the screen, I'm on the right. The monitor that I've got pulled up is on the left. Now, if I look to the monitor here, 
to to actually look at the material, I'm out I'm out now actually on screen looking away from that. So now I have to sit there and think, okay, well if I don't ever get this right hand monitor back, I'm gonna have to flip all of my graphics so it actually looks like I'm looking where I'm supposed to be looking. That's an art direction discussion. You know, I look at I, I look at the graphics that we do for all of the different shows and it's okay, well, where do I put people and where do I put heads and how big do they need to be in relation to the show logos and the episode titles and, and all of that. It's, uh, there's a trick to it. What? It, how, how is it annoying? It's just a challenge. Did you look at that box art? Do you have, do you have opinion on that box art? It's ugly, she says. I don't know about... It, it looks like someone cracked it out. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's like... Yeah, it's a hodgepodge. A I'm not getting... All right. <laughs> Sci-Fi Stop says, How does anyone survive with less than four monitors? It's like the Dark Ages on the show. I know, right? <sighs> See, I... I started life like everybody else does with a computer with one monitor. And I'm fine with that. But as I get a second monitor, second monitor makes it easier, especially if I'm editing video because I have all of my source files on one on one and I have the editing project on the other and I can go back and forth and I see, see what I'm doing. <clears throat> and I thought... Oh, that's okay. And it's not every single day. <laughs> but as we get into the YouTube thing and we start doing the broadcast, and now I have to not only do, you know, have a control panel for the broadcast here on the inside of things, but now I have to be able to monitor the external. I have to be able to see the chat. I have to make sure that the signal is going out and playing. So there's a monitor. And then if I've got source material, or if I've got an interview called up, or I've got somebody on Zoom, that's another one. So now I need three. And as things progress, well, if I've got the interview, and if I've got source material files and websites and stuff that i got to call up on, on another one, and I've got all of these, now we're, now we're broadcasting to four different platforms, when YouTube cooperates, now I need four. Because otherwise, I'm clicking and clicking and clicking and back and forth and, and into this monitor to click on this other thing to move this thing. It's, it's first world problems, right? Anyway. All right, so what else do we have here for Star Trek Day? The latest. Uh, let's go over here to top on the hashtag uh, any announcements a lot of happy Star Trek days a lot of pictures um, let's see here Star Trek the gift that keeps on giving a lot of cosplayers
Here's here's another here's another part of that. This is Anson Mount posting this photograph. This is a graphic. Again, we talk about graphic design. This is Paramount Plus because that's where all that's where most of the Star Trek is going to live. All the series are going to be there. But you look at Star Trek Day. This graphic here. Anson Mount in the foreground, and and visually he is appears to be the featured character. Michael Barnum right behind him, also prominently featured right there in the center. So all of the weight, all of the visual weight is is in the center. Your eyes go there first. And then out from there you have animated Janeway. You have current year Picard. You have whoever this is from from Lower Decks. Uh, yes, sci-fi is not by. I know I can have more than one window on the screen. The problem with that, the problem with one more than having windows on the screen, is that uh, if I shrink a window, especially with the broadcast monitors, if, I, if I'm looking at the the control panels for the streams, if I shrink them to a certain point, I can't see the the live chats or the comments or anything like that. And so I have to have them a certain and I can't go vert I can't go horizontal with them. They have to be vertical. So I've got these little these little columns and I have to size them just so so I can actually see anything to monitor what's what's happening with everything. It's four monitors are better. It's just that's just how it is. All right, but anyway, you've got all this. You've got the original Enterprise up in the top right corner. You have on the left-hand side, you've got Bakula, you've got Shatner, you've got Jerry Ryan, you've got Avery Brooks. So there's classic Trek. Janeway is now part of new Trek, but she's animated Janeway. And you have the classic Enterprise, and you have the Discovery. I don't see... Uh, DS9's not here. NX-01 Enterprise is not here. Next Generation Enterprise is not here. This one's better than the 4K collection, but this one still is really heavy on the emphasis of the current stuff. And again, I get it. I understand what they're doing. But... There are better, I think, better designs that you can do with some of this. Uh, lots of cosplay, fan art, shipping, slashing, old, uh, old newspaper clips... The announcement about uh, Nana Visitor's book. That promo still bugs me. All of the legends of the shows. And then they show Ethan Peck's Spock. <clears throat> I don't know. Just, it's just something about it. Bugs me. But that's just me. Uh, I'm not seeing very much in the way of any any other announcements on any of this stuff here. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm not see. I'm not seeing. Now, TrekCore did an interesting thing. They took the title sequence. We got the title sequence for for Prodigy, the animated show, and it doesn't have any text graphics on it. I imagine it might, but it's a, it's an interesting piece of animation because it has the new sh- the new uh, the new prototype starship that's going to be the show. And it flies through various representations of the of the characters, which is which is a, a different take on that. I don't know if they're going to do the names of the of the actors. If they follow in the tradition of the classic shows, then they probably will. But I I don't know if they will or not. Um, but Trekcore has been going through and and taking Michael Giacchino's theme out and replacing it with various other pieces of music and for the most part it actually kind of works on everything so far i mean i've heard they put the enterprise theme to it they put uh the immigrant song to it and it actually actually kind of works so you know it's it's I don't know. I just I look at I look at how they're promoting Star Trek these days and I don't really have any kind of a sense of caring. Okay. That's Star Trek. That's that's what we got nowadays. But we'll see. I I am interested in seeing what the Strange New Worlds uh panel what information we get out of there and I've just realized that we've gone a whole hour and we didn't do the break in the half hour like I was planning to do I well I didn't tell you to remind me but uh, yeah so we will experiment with that again maybe tomorrow Uh, in the meantime I've got to get a hold of YouTube so there we go. Uh, thanks very much for being here, folks. So we're going to wrap that up now. And uh, if, if you're looking forward to any particular thing as part of Star Trek Day, or if you're, if you're catching this show after Star Trek Day, let us know what, what came out of Star Trek Day that you find the most interesting. What captures your curiosity among all of the different announcements of all of the different things that we're going to be getting, the new books. Oh, by the way, there's the other thing, David Mack writing, that with Picard now essentially erasing everything that they've done over the last 20 years in the book line, the trilogy that's coming out here soon, Coda, from Mack and James Swallow and Dayton Ward, those are the last books of a 20-year continuity that now no longer is continuity. Because basically what happens, is they, you know, as, as, as David explains it, you know, at the time, we weren't going to get any more. Maybe some movies, but we were, it, Star Trek was done, especially on television, especially these, these characters... And so picking up from Avatar, the Deep Space Nine miniseries Avatar, and moving forward into various different titles, it was all become a mashup at that point. All of the Next Generation era characters started getting mixed and matched and whatever. You had, you had 
uh, Esri as a as a captain of the Aventine, for example. All of these different characters got moved around and shifted. And the stories got told. And there was this long continuity. It was this, this continuous... You know, all of the stories were standalone. All the books were. But it was all part of this bigger universe-wide continuity. Picard married Beverly. They had a kid. His name's Renee. All of that's gone. Because now that they're making new television shows, all of the tie-in fiction has to match up with the television shows. Or the movies. And so now you've got 20 years of material that's now thrown out, maybe with the bathwater, because of the new shows. What the books are going to look like moving forward, it's anybody's guess. It will likely concentrate only on the new stuff. We'll get Discovery books, we'll get Picard books, but we're probably not going to get next generation books not anymore original series will probably continue but um, yeah it's like when Lucasfilm decided that everything pre-Disney wasn't canon anymore and they threw it all out and it became legends or whatever of course now they're going back and republishing the things that they know people will buy because nobody's buying the new stuff Star Trek is now doing the same thing. We're going to throw out 20 years of material because canon <clears throat> or whatever. Whether that's a good decision or not, time will tell. And our time is up. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Remember... If you have not subscribed yet, we do invite you to do so. Go find us over on Odyssey uh, because it's entirely possible that YouTube is about to, uh, to do something untoward. I don't know. We'll see. But go find us over on Odyssey. Uh, we're also uh, on all of the other different social medias. You can find us pretty much everywhere. Just search Sci-Fi for Me. We're not on Snapchat. We're not on Tumblr. Uh, but everything else, you can find us there. And, and uh, do have your notifications turned on so you know when we have new material. We're continuing to monitor all of the Comic-Con schedules and announcements about their various policies with regard to vaccinations and masking. And uh, we're we're dropping those reports uh, as as often as we can when we get enough material to update. And then we'll have Good Morning Multiverse this Saturday. Tomorrow on this program, I think we're going to take a look at what Frank Oz had to say about Disney and the Muppets. So that's tomorrow, and uh, that's going to do it for us today. In the meantime... Have a good day, the rest of your day or evening or whatnot, depending on when you're seeing or hearing this show. And remember, there are four lights. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.